Good Horror, covering the best and worst of the horror genre since Halloween 2007. Listener discretion is advised. everybody and welcome to another exciting episode of bloody good horror my name's eric and i'll be your host for this evening where we will be reviewing strangers pray at night a very random sequel to a 10 year old movie that's really good (laughs) uh i'll be your host for this evening joining me tonight we burned down the internet two weeks ago and now the danger girls are back first up (laughs) please welcome um every director's worst nemesis on twitter sophie to the show Again, we Ooh. had an amicable settlement settlement of our uh, of our argument. <laughs> and next up, rounding out the crew tonight, the high priestess of books and smart things at Bloody Good Horror. Please welcome Cece to the show. Hello. How's it going, Cece? I'm hanging in there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great. You can tell Eric really cares. <laughs> <laughs> great. Um, great. Very nice. Well, we are here tonight to talk about. The Strangers Pray at Night. Um, but there's a couple other things going on. First off, Sophie, you guys wrapped up a tweet with BGH last night. Isn't that right? We sure did. And it was our first one officially going back to just Twitter. And it seemed like we had a really good turnout. Uh, we had a ton of people playing along. I am this close to getting my mom on Twitter to start playing along, which is going <laughs> to be dope because my mom is afraid of literally everything. Ah. So this is going to be fun. Like, I... No exaggeration. My mom says that she used to be a little bit better at watching tense movies before she had kids, and then she got used to watching stuff at home where she could leave if it got too intense. So when I was growing up, we would watch stuff, and she would have to go make tea, and she would just go stand in the kitchen and not watch. Um, (laughs) And that wasn't just movies. It was like 24 or any shows that were intense at all. Wouldn't it be amazing to, like, it's funny how, I mean, I guess it makes sense, but those people that are that scared of things usually not always but usually don't like horror movies how amazing would it be to just be able to tap into that and just get that back like if suddenly tomorrow you were just terrified by every horror movie that would guys be... that is me actually that is actually you're well then you should be thankful because you're living the dream yeah because it's it takes a lot for me to even be like really even unsettled watching a movie I anymore so yeah, i couldn't tell you how many guys, like you're thankful for it until you come home from seeing strangers too and you make your boyfriend go through the apartment and check literally anywhere a person no, could but be hiding that, that actually happened that's literally what i live for though like that's like if i <laughs> if i see a movie and then i'm afraid to walk to my car afterwards like that's that's it that's the essence of life right there well i would be happy to share some of that with you that's great my mom did my mom did p- pick or Sorry, catch a giant continuity error in the movie that no one else picked up on. So that was pretty spectacular. Uh, what did you guys watch? <laughs> uh, we watched Dismissed with Dylan Sprouse. Oh, oh yeah. Right. Um, I meant to ask you. I I had to work last night, so I didn't get to play along. Um, what did you think about it? Um, honestly, it was way better than most of the stuff we usually watch for Tweet with right. <laughs> I mean, I think for what it was, it was perfectly fine. I mean, 
It was sort of like a goofy thriller. I thought he was actually very good. He was phenomenal um, in it, but it was just like, I don't know. There's There was some uneasy, like, weird sexual tension to it. And I was just like, this, it felt, it yeah. felt weird. <laughs> it's preposterous. And the, like, the, I thought the teacher was very good. Very early on in the movie, my boyfriend doesn't play along because he does journalism stuff and he doesn't want to do anything on his Twitter that, you know, isn't professional or whatever. So he usually watches, but he won't tweet. And very early on in the movie, he goes, is this just going to be a movie about how sad it is to be an adult who cares? Oh, man. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he was was right. Yeah, that's exactly what that movie was about. So this was like a direct-to-Netflix kind of thing? Um, Direct-to-VOD. VOD, yeah. DTV. How would you compare his performance to that um, uh, kid show where he lived on like a cruise ship or something? The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. They live yes. in a hotel. Oh, is that what that was? To be clear, I'm not that young. I did not watch that show. I have younger siblings. Um, <laughs> weren't they also on a so show where really they? Speak to it. Weren't they also on a show where they lived in like a semester at sea boat? They probably did a movie where they did that. I don't know. I, don't know. I know him from Friends and Big Daddy Friends. and his performance, and both of those things was fantastic. Yeah, that is true. Very true. Yeah, he's still great. He's still great. Um, sorry, my dog is over here dying and it's distracting me. Um, what was the other thing you want to talk about? Uh, Hatchet. You had some thoughts on our Hatchet episode, Sophie. Oh, yeah. So I just was going to say, because I didn't get to be on the episode, that I was one of the folks that got to see the new Victor Crowley movie at a horror festival and Adam Green was there and I had a fantastic time. So I wanted to uh, co-sign the idea that you would probably have more fun watching it in like a very crowded theater of genre fans. Yeah. But I also thought I would throw my hat in the ring and say that I watched Hatchet 1, 2, and 3 not in that context and still really liked all of them. So I just have a soft spot for So yeah, it's I funny. Mean, like, well, I don't I, understand that they are terrible. Like, I just think they're super fun. I watched the first Hatchet in that context and I, you know what? I don't remember loving it, but I remember really loving the experience. And then the rest of them, everyone's just been like a chore, I felt like, to get through. Mm-hmm. But I did, to be fair, I did say in the show that like, hey, you get to go see this and Adam Green's going to be there. Like, that could be pretty cool. Yeah. So what you're yeah. telling me is you just lost the childlike innocence that allows you to enjoy <laughs> watching some guy's testicles hang from a tree branch. No, I mean, I w- we've no, already established I, oh. that. Well, that's the, so it's actually <laughs> funny you say that because that's the other thing from next, last week's episode that we didn't discover until later was that um, I was like confused during the show because they were talking about these nude scenes that like I didn't see. So there's this extended oh, right. like ridiculous thing with the signing. But then also there were other scenes with some of like the female characters that it was like, oh, it seems like they shot a nude scene and then they're just cutting around it. It seemed weird. I found out that um, Google Play requested it be cut the 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 dong scene let's call it and then he he said he really added that in to kind of be like equal opportunity which is ridiculous because the context is not the same but okay um so he just cut out all the nudity but that apparently google play does that sometimes will request content be cut um because like some of the platforms or something like i can't remember i have to look it up my twitter somebody gave me the exact reason but it's something like Adam Green has been out there actively talking about. So I actually saw a different version than everybody else. No, I watched weird. I watched it on Amazon and it didn't have any nudity in it. So this one then that they saw, they saw I think like whatever probably the theatric more theatrical like cut was. Because there was nudity in the one I saw. Because they also had a um, like uh, credit stinger that I didn't have. Oh, you didn't get to see Danielle Harris? No, and I flipped through them and I didn't see it. 
Oh. Well, and also, I feel like I just have to be a nerd and correct you guys, because you were talking about what character, like, whether this guy was a survivor of Hatchet 1, 2, or 3, but Hatchet 1 through 3 are all, like, over the course of one or two days. Mm. Oh, okay. okay. Hatchet 1, 2, and 3 are, like, a continuing thing, and then this is 10 years after that ended. But did that guy play a different character in one of the other movies? Because that's what Schnars was saying, that he showed up again. So unclear, because I could have sworn he was a cop in the later movies or something, but I don't know if that's true because I'm trying to go through his pictures now and it's unclear. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't like it. But, you know, I was nicer to it than Joe was, let's say. That's, I mean, that's true. Joe accused, uh, Joe on Slack accused everyone who's ever <laughs> liked a Victor Crowley movie as being a Trump supporter. So <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Joe, yeah, Joe, for as as measured as Joe may have been in the show, things took a dark turn in the Slack conversation after the show came out. I was try- I've been trying to avoid Slack because I know you all want to talk about Annihilation, so I hadn't looked at any of the channels, and now I feel like I've missed quite a lot. Yeah, that that drug run. You should really go through and just read how angry Joe was about Woo. Victor Crowley because he was super mad. Yeah, that, <laughs> wow. that that drug rug has really changed his personality. Um, <laughs> speaking of reading Annihilation, I want to take this opportunity to put this mark this down in the record that I finished Annihilation before Cece did. Yes, you did. You're just like plowing through some books. Officially, I'm better at reading than Cece. I, th- I want everybody to know that. <laughs> it's okay. I will wholeheartedly give you give you that rain right now. It's really good. Cece, you better be careful. He's coming for your high priestess hat. I mean, <laughs> you know, if it fits, go for it. Yeah. Just enjoy yourself, you please. Do you do, you know? Uh, yeah, the, the first book is fantastic, and I'm like pretty into the second one now too and i'm really liking it so yeah I'm, it's a good I'm, series i'm close behind i'm yeah. sorry it's okay it's it's very interesting like it's interesting to see the threads that he pulled out of the book to make the movie and i think like the thing he did he changed so much from the book and yet it still feels in a weird way like a faithful adaptation because what he re- what he like kind of correctly identified as the important thing in the book is the mystery. Like the yeah. the book is intriguing because of how um hard to grasp everything is, right? Like understanding is kind of just out of your reach for the entire thing. And that was sort of the essence that he nails in the movie even though he changes like all the real details, you know what I mean? Mhm. Yeah, and I I'm really I'm really excited to discuss that, but you know, I'm, I'm slow. So no spoilers, but that was my feeling. It's very good. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's talk quickly about the quiet place. Um, I am more excited for it. Like I'm getting, I'm getting pretty stoked. I mean, it, it is, it is, I think legitimately a great trailer. I think we learned recently that Kaczynski actually directed. Is that right? Yeah. Which is pretty intriguing. Um, I think that the trailer like immediately shows signs of really good direction. There's mm-hmm. a lot of moments you can see in the trailer. Uh, I do have one beef, and that is that... Okay, so the whole concept of this world is that you can't make noise because monsters attack you. And there's mm-hmm. a scene that's played up for uh, dramatic effect where they're hiking, and they're all like, they hike barefoot or whatever. And the kid, the little kid is in the back and he's holding a toy and he just turns it on and it starts making noise. You mean to tell me you're going to let that kid have that toy, period, let alone, like, why not take the batteries out? 
Well, I mean, what, what only... I assume, look, you've got to have some suspension, suspension of disbelief. And if you're on a hike and you're trying to get supplies and your kid picks up a toy, I don't think you would immediately think, so okay, I've got to check it. So that's the only thing is that, well, no, I disagree with you. I think that maybe the thing will be that he picks it up without them knowing. Yeah, because, well, that's what I mean. Like, you're not watching your kids. So, so I think my hope is that they'll get to that logical point in the movie. But it's funny, just after the fourth time seeing the trailer, I kind of cracked my head and I was like, what? That, that? Because literally the whole rest of the trailer, they're showing them, like, lay out sand along their path so they're quiet and, you know, all that stuff. So, but Guys, I, I feel like I still have not seen a full trailer for this movie because I do not know what you're talking about. For what? real? Oh, dude, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta Google it, it. It's really good. No, but I don't like. I don't like to watch trailers because yeah. then you see all the good stuff. That's fair. I've seen the trailer where they're playing a game and he, the kid, like knocks the lantern over. Yeah. Oh well, the the extended trailers don't really get much more than that, so don't worry. Yeah. I mean, you're fine if you've seen that trailer. That's good enough. You don't really get more. Plot. Also, I just. Oh no! Go ahead. I just noticed this time that uh, at the very beginning of the trailer when the little girl is sitting on the beach, and I, I'm probably very slow to the pickup on this, but she has a hearing aid, so presumably she's deaf. Oh, that's how they all know sign language. She has like a cochlear implant. I, yeah, I think, I'm assuming that's why. I, didn't, I, I noticed that too, but I, don't, I, I haven't read anything about it. I didn't pick that yeah. up, but I did on this turn, I did on this turn think like, oh, okay, there's got to be some kind of reason why they would all know sign language. Why they would just all know it, yeah. Yeah. That's my, uh, uh, you know, if 2017 was the year of me calling my shots and I'm going to continue in 2018, I will say that that will be potentially be in the running for best of the year, just from the trailer. I feel like I've been doing this long <clears throat> enough. I can call it. Although I was pretty wrong about the strangers and we can talk about that in a minute here. So to be fair, yeah. you also didn't know it was coming out until like yesterday, right? <laughs> yeah, but I had seen the trailer. <laughs> That's Jesus. That's fair, but I had seen the trailer, so that's on me. <laughs> All right, uh, real quick, CC, what's up with the book club right now? What's the status? We are reading Dead Souls, and in um, a couple of weeks, we will be reading. I'm on my husband's computer, so now I have to look at my phone to tell you. Um, we will be reading. Sorry. Should have had it up for you. Um, April, we start Universal Harvester, which ne isn't necessarily a horror book. It's just kind of strange fiction. So you can either check out Dead Souls or Universal Harvester. That's a good title. Yeah. Um, is it is it uh, like an anthology? Um, no. So it, I think from what I read, it's kind of like this guy finds an old VHS tape and it kind of like starts unraveling. Huh. A little bit, and yeah, it sounds fun. Let me know. Yeah. If it, let me know if it's good. Will do. Okay, guys, it is time. Let's take a quick break so that we can discuss the strangers pray at night. This is it, Jennifer. Your big break in TV. Fuck the front time, bitch. And we're back. Cece, in the great tradition of John Schnars, you looked yes. up the word of the day as the show was starting. You didn't tell me, so I'm waiting nope. to hear it. So here we go. Please bring us the word <laughs> of the day. 
So the word of the day is snowbird, which oh. is an informal North American slang. And um, it means a northerner who moves to a warmer state during the winter. But I didn't know where the term snowbird came from. And it was actually been used since the 1600s really? because it was used to describe men who enlisted in the armed forces to get food and clothing during the winter months and then huh. deserted as soon as the warm weather approached. So Now it's just old it's people in Florida who can't drive. Yeah, so now <laughs> it's just people who want to move to Florida during the winter. But, you know, now you know where it came from. Wow. And, and why does that, uh, how does that play into this movie? So um, the family goes to visit their, I think it's an uncle who runs um, kind of like a uh, RV um, like, like camper a, campsite. Like a murder ranch kind of place? Yeah, he runs a murder <laughs> ranch that just so happens is deserted during the winter months yeah. because all of the snowbirds go elsewhere. Hey, y'all, so. want to get murdered? Come stay at my ranch. <laughs> Smiley face. I All mean, right. thinking about that just real quick, like, I don't know that I would want to go anywhere that's like, I don't want to hang out at a, des- a deserted hotel or a deserted campsite. Like, I mean, I'll pass. I feel they like... They were all way too chill when they got there and there was yeah. no one there. And they thought, this was normal. We should all just sleep here overnight in the middle of <laughs> nowhere. All right, guys, let's get into it. So, um, The Strangers Pray at Night, this is like an interesting... There's lots of interesting things about this movie, I feel like. For starters, you're talking about a sequel to a 10-year-old movie, mm-hmm. right? The Strangers, uh, which I would have to look, but this came out um, in the life cycle of Bloody Good Horror, the podcast. I want to say, I'll have to look it up at maybe during the second bumper, but I think that it might have been our number one movie of the year that year. It's one of my all-time favorites. It's one of the... As years have gone on, especially, I really don't get back to watch a lot of these movies a second time, but Strangers is one of the ones that I've actually seen a few times, because that's kind of how much of an impact it left on me. Uh, so this was a this was produced by the director of the first one, uh, Brian Bertino. He wrote the original screenplay for this. My understanding was I don't think a lot of his screenplay ended up being used, but because he created the thing, I think that's a, a WGA thing, like he gets original screenplay credit. Um, so it's called The Strangers Pray at Night it's directed by Johannes Roberts so if you know you might know this guy he did 48, uh, 47 Meters Down which we reviewed a little while ago The Other Side of the Door which we reviewed last year that's the movie where Jeremy Sisto lives in India and his kid dies and they like pet cemetery him it's a whole thing hmm. um, and then some other stuff I haven't heard of he also is in pre-production on 48 Meters Down which is presumably a movie where you go one more meter one down. One more meter. Which is even scarier. Um, so, I'm here for it, you guys. Yeah. So I, it's just, I don't know, it's an interesting thing. The whole thing, right? Like they, I think they've been trying to get a Stranger sequel off the ground since the first one happened, which makes sense because it was pretty successful and it's, it's a cheap thing to execute. But for whatever reason, here we are, 2018, Strangers Pray at Night. So we've got a family unit. Um, as normal, I don't know any of their names, but I'm going to look quick. Um, Christina Hendricks is the mother. Her name is Cindy. Uh, is it Martin Henderson? Is that the dad? Mm-hmm. Yep. Martin Henderson plays a character named Mike. I recognize this dude, but like no idea from what. Yeah. I couldn't remember what else. He's in Smoke and Aces and he's in That's the original, it. the American remake of The Ring. Oh, from yes. The Ring. Okay, um, 
he's smoking the, aces. Yep. He is like, yeah, he's like Naomi Watts's uh, uh, man candy from like ex boyfriend guy. Yeah, or you. like the father of her kid. Man uh, candy. <laughs> so. Then they have two kids, um, teenage girl, Kinsey, played by Bailey Madison, and they have a son, Luke, played by one Mr. Lewis Pullman, Bill Pullman's son. Bill Pullman. Hmm. That doesn't really? I feel like- I mean, I feel that's like, cool, but like, I, okay. <laughs> I feel like with the main show, that would have gotten a huge pop. And now I'm just left here looking like the thing idiot. is you spoiled it and told us on email. So. I know. I know, but you know the deal. You're supposed to pre- just pretend like it's exciting new information. Oh my god, I had no idea. Do I really have to explain this. Come on, guys. Somewhere I'm trying to look for our image that we have that just says this website is not the official website of Bill Pullman. Um, so, two kids, teenagers. They are um, on a road trip because the. Daughter has been getting into a lot of trouble. They're sending her to a boarding school. They're making the son drive out there to help her move out. And we kind of learn a lot of stuff about this family unit as they go out. They're pretty strained. I think her her behavior over the last year or so has like really put a strain on this family. The son is kind of set up more as the golden child a little bit. He's an athlete and he's the older brother and he, he seems pretty like straight straight laced. Uh, you know the parents are just trying to deal man like that's all they're trying to do but it's it's really tough because you don't know what you know if you're doing the right thing and you're getting all your you've got these rebellious teenagers so along the way they are going to stop at this i guess you might call it like a trailer court they're not trailers in the sense that they're on wheels but they're definitely like modular home sort of yeah. and it's kind of like a campground though you know it's like a you would rent one of these things like you would a motel Mm-hmm. But it's a campground, right? Each one has a yard. Each one is spread out. It's this really, I mean, we can get into it, but it is a brilliant setting for a horror film. Like, I, I honestly was just so, so impressed by how smart this setting was in this movie. But, you know, it's like, like so uh, Cece said, it's off season. So nobody's really there, but they're going to meet this aunt and uncle there. And I don't know, presumably just stay the night before they continue on their, their trip or whatever. So, and in case you needed any more reason to be creeped out, the uncle's name is Uncle Marvin, <laughs> which just yeah. sounds like he's going to murder you. It's not great. Yeah. It's not great. So, no offense to fans named Marvin. They uh, they get a late start, and they, even little things. I mean, there's just a lot of great. There's this family's just drawn really well. Even little things like oh, they're late all the time. You know what I mean? Like that plays actually. It's really important to the movie, but it also plays into kind of the the um ram you know like held together by tape nature of the family you know what i mean like mm-hmm. they're really literally just like trying to keep it on the rails man uh so they're going to be late and they show up and they get there's a note at the desk saying hey uh we went to bed you know i'll see you guys in the morning check out trailer 46 or whatever and a set of keys and so they go uh to sleep they go to hang on the trailer and then pretty quickly thereafter, there's a knock at the door and there's a creepy strangers girl at the door. It's worth noting also that they recast all of the quote unquote strangers from the first movie, which is interesting. I mean, I guess why not? It's been 10 years and they're, you know, but to be honest, I couldn't have told you because the people in this movie are so good. It didn't honestly, I didn't even really think about it. Um, so she shows up. And that's weird because they're in the middle of nowhere and she just, like my favorite part is she just walks off into the woods. 
You're just like, oh, (laughs) that doesn't seem right. Um, And she says the same, she asks for the same person as in the first movie. Yeah. She says it's Tamra home. Yeah. That makes sense. In the first movie. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So they're not totally freaked out by her yet. So the, the son and daughter, well, the daughter stomps out because she's a brat. The son goes after her. They end up walking around and then stumbling into an open trailer that turns out to be the one that their dead aunt and uncle are in. So Mm -hmm. they discover the body. They run back to the trailer. um, And then, well, I'll kind of wrap it up here in a second. But, like, then they meet up with the parents. And then, like, okay, now we're in a horror movie. and (laughs) Now we're in a horror movie and we're about to die. Yeah, decisions are made from there. And sort of the, the rest of the movie is the characters kind of just trying to like survive and and run around while they're being stalked about on this creepy abandoned like abandoned property and that's kind of uh the setup for the strangers sophie um what were you like 12 when the strangers came out okay no (laughs) i was this is gonna make it a lot better but um the Strangers, I actually saw the original at the midnight screening, and oh, it nice. opened at the very end of my senior year of high school. So Sophie's... I was like, during senior week, I went and saw it at a midnight opening. Sophie's like, hello, I was 14, okay? Excuse uh... me, I was 18. No, that's that's, that's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so what, what do you Now know? all the math-savvy fans can figure out how old I am. Did you like that movie? And also, what do you think of this one? So I love the original Strangers, and um, we were talking pre-show. I've also seen the French movie that this is based on which is called Them. That's the uh, English translation. And, and I, always, I love that one as well. I always felt like loosely based on, like it's based on that movie in the sense that people show up to your house and stab you. Right. <laughs> so I think the point is that they are both, both of them say they're based on true events and they're both based on the same true events. And they're both totally that's different. What, right. And I think that's like the, that's what they're going with. I do have to say, um, I do have to say while it's coming up, I was super shocked that they put that, based on true events thing at the beginning of this movie when you're literally in a contrived sequel now and it's like really yeah i'm like the first one was that way yeah sorry continue sophie um so yeah i really like this movie i kind of went into it being pretty skeptical i had heard relatively okay things but like i said i really love the original and particularly coming so late afterwards i just did not believe that this could successfully do what the first one did and i felt like this movie did a really good job of creating a lot of the same tension that the first movie had and kind of ratcheting it up and we can get into this but um you know eric talked a lot about how well drawn the characters are i think the first movie does a really good job of giving us characters that we like and we care about and we want them to live and they're at least i did and i feel like you get their backstory and they do it pretty quickly. Like we, we yeah. kind of come into this relationship when it's at its worst and we kind of immediately understand what that looks like. And I think they are able to recreate that pretty well here. Um, it's, I it's, thought that the style was awesome. Yeah. It's kind of amazing because it moves fast. Like it still gets into it really yeah. fast. And yet, and yet by the time it gets into it, you've got all of this depth to the family. Yeah, I mean, I feel like things start to go off the rails very quickly in this movie, and you already understand all of the characters individually and kind of how they each relate to one another. It's not just like, oh, I understand how the parents are with the kids. I understand how the mom is with the daughter and the son and vice versa and the dad with both kids. I mean, I thought they did a really, really good job. And you understand, like, you know, the the husband and wife. Like, the, the husband 
clearly clearly has a slightly more influence over the daughter. And then you even get a little kind of interaction where you see the mother is um, maybe a little frustrated by that, but also thankful that like somebody can get through to her. And literally all this stuff is done. A lot of it's just done with body language and looks and stuff. Right. Yeah. Right. It's really, yeah, it's really interesting. Cece, how about you? Um, so I absolutely loved the first strangers and I can still remember how terrified I was. I like, that's one of the last movies I remember being like genuinely freaked out, um, after seeing. And, uh, you know, I wasn't really too stoked about, um, them making a sequel. And even though I tried to avoid a lot of, um, you know, uh, comments about it ahead of time I was still pretty um I don't know pretty skeptical I don't know that I necessarily liked it um I didn't mind watching it but I don't think that I really enjoyed it I'll say but that being said there's a lot of things that I did really appreciate about it and I really specifically like y'all are talking about with the characters I really like that from the first strangers you see two characters who are in the like heat of a breakup, basically like them at their worst. And then that's done again with the whole family. So like you get to really see that dynamic of, you know, people who feel like they're falling apart. And the only thing that's really holding them together is how much they care about each other and how that plays when that's the only thing that's like, and then they, and then they use it to just kind of like punch you in the gut too. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're like, okay, great. Well, that means like, you know, hopefully something can can come from this and you're like nope that's just a heavier gut punch so nope yep but visually i mean i really liked it so there's things that i really liked but i don't overall i wasn't stoked leaving the theater yeah um i think i uh apologies cc i think i'm closer to (laughs) sophie on this one and and maybe it is an expectations game i mean cc you're right like it's the timing of this sequel that makes it feel odd and then makes you kind of immediately suspicious of it. Right. Like if they had, sure. if, if they had done a stranger sequel two years later, which oddly enough, taking time is probably the better tact, but yet somehow yeah. it seems so random that, that you just have to kind of question rightly. I think like just kind of question what's going on with it. You know what I mean? That led me to well, be skeptical. Yeah. And then I just, for whatever reason, the trailer I was pretty nonplussed about and, and it didn't look good to me. So I, I do think that there's a bit of an expectations thing going in because I really was just like not feeling it. But I thought that this movie was fantastic. And in a lot of ways, I think is as good as the original strangers. Like I think that it, I mean, it's never going to be as good because it's not going to be that, especially in 2009 too. Right. Like Mm -hmm. the strangers was just a breath of fresh air at the time. And, and this still feels like a breath of fresh air now because it comes in this glut of all of the, like the horror genre is just all of this Wannaverse inspired BS now that yeah, was, sure. that was kind of good once, but is, is so like tired feeling now. And so again, almost just the right time, this movie comes along just with this visceral horror kind of seventies terror film inspired brutality. And it's just like, so I think that it's really, um, it's directed very well. Like this guy has a great directorial hand. It's very suspenseful. I think he moves his camera in a really confident way. And he's using a lot of these tricks from these seventies and eighties films, these pans, these slow zooms, these little things that just punctuate moments that 
um, helps also accentuate the setting. Mm. The setting is like, it's, it's brilliant. It's such a good setting for a movie. It actually makes it feel like an 80s camp slasher, which we haven't had in a long time, which is really yeah, it kind definitely of, does. Yeah, like really kind of a cool thing. That feeling of of like a mid, you know, a mid-era Friday the 13th sequel where, you know, you're running around from empty cabin to empty cabin and there's like somebody chasing you and you never know where they're going to come from. And I think that they ratchet things up just the right amount. There's sort of like a little added over the topness to everything you know the guys the 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 bad guys take a little more damage and they're a little more maniacal and you see them a little more um the guy who plays like sackhead in this movie or whatever we're calling him i thought he's amazing like i actually i was kind of interested that they didn't recast the first guy because i know he's pretty into that role he's done conventions and stuff the guy's the body language, like acting of the, that dude, is terrifying. It's so oh yeah. Good. When you mentioned that, um, you know, in the email um, before the show, I I was trying to really think about what was so maniacal about him. And you're right, like it's it was he doesn't have as much screen time as um, Dollface and Pen Up, the other two. But when he's on screen, like you're you're very much drawn to everything he's doing, and he. I mean, he takes up so much space that it's almost suffocating. Yeah. And that's really, really, I mean, that's that's genius. I almost kind of like that, too. It's like there are scenes where the girls are portrayed as being more dangerous than he is, even though he's this omnipresent force. His his force for a lot of the movie is almost more about flushing them out. Right. With the, like he's with just the kind of there truck. to like, keep, yeah, to keep them within the girl's reach. And then the basically. girls come out with a knife and you're like, oh snap. But then there's these these like really key scenes, right? Like this this pool scene, which is geniusly done mm-hmm. when he comes out with that axe and you're like, oh shit, man. Like this is about to get real. Um, so I, man, I loved this movie. I think that if I have complaints, it's funny. It's like, it's like almost a little 280s pandering for me, which is, there's, well, there's parts that I like, right? Like the theme song is really good, but it, it, mm-hmm. it rips off the fog. Like literally, if I knew how to read music, I would break down. The, <laughs> I would like break down the note structure and show people because it's unreal. You know, it's got a very like Stranger Things esque font treatment, mm-hmm. which is great. Like I liked it. It's fine. The part where it's too much for me is that in every single scene, they insisted on having like an '80s pop song playing for like literally almost every murder scene in the movie. And there, yeah. There but are... I hope you don't have beef with them playing "Total Eclipse of the Heart" during that pool scene because that no, was amazing. Like, had there been no music the entire movie, and right. then the pool scene, you got "Total Eclipse yeah. of the Heart." Like, that would have been. I mean, I probably would have said I would have I, loved. You the know, movie and then. it's like it's yeah. it's effective, right? So I don't necessarily yeah. begrudge them for doing it, but there's something about the just insistence on continuing to do it. It's like the specifically it's the car scene, right? That was an incredible scene, but to have him like he like, like keeps he, turning he, he it like up leans and... in and turns the music on. He's like, "Ah, now I can murder you." It's it's just like Yeah. And yeah, the, sure. The thing is that they didn't need it because yeah. what makes this feel like an 80s film is just the way that it's shot. And in a good way, you know what I mean? Like they're using these throwback techniques and they're, they're making it feel fun, exciting and scary like those films really. And so much of that is just the setting combined with the, the directing and the music and stuff. But like the, the, where it feels more panderies with the music, I would say that. And it's not a huge deal, but I, I could, I could see some people being like just completely turned off. Well, I mean, it's just, I mean, 
Hold on. I think that... Hold up, y'all. Like we were... Hold on. <laughs> Listen. Um, I think, like we were saying with the pool scene, if they had just been a little more deliberate with the music, because that's fine if, like... I mean, obviously, music has a lot to do with these people doing what they do. Like, they get off on it or whatever because they do it in the first movie. And it was super effective because it's one song on a loop over and over and over again. So I get that, like, that's part of their MO. But it got to the point where you're like, what? I mean, are you more worried about, like, if the song had been, like, a bad, like, hey, Mickey, would you have changed the channel? <laughs> like, I almost had wanted him to be like, hold on, this isn't it. Let me let me flip through the channels and find something better. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think we should lay down a spoiler alert right now because I want to start getting into some specific scenes. And I think there's some pretty big spoilers, like, even early on in the movie. So here's your mm-hmm. warning. I would say, like, 15-ish minutes we'll probably be moving on from the review. But uh, there it is. So there it is. Let's talk about some scenes. I want to, because to me, where this movie really kind of um, makes its mark and announces itself is in the Christina Hendricks death scene. Mm. Um, I also think that she's great. She's not even on screen. She's that, awesome. She's not even. She's sc- really good. Yeah, she's not on screen that long, but she's such a great anchor for the family. I don't really have a lot of experience with her as an actress outside of Mad Men, but God, she's so good here at just um, getting across a lot of this layered emotion stuff without really doing saying much you know mm-hmm. and they totally pulled a scream by killing her off so early and the way oh, they, yeah you know and the way they set the scene up it's like she might get away but then as she's kind of getting the daughter up out of the window there's a moment even before it happens where you're just like oh god they're they're going there uh, yeah this and is gonna happen and there's this whole angle too of, of she's sacrificing for her daughter who basically has been treating her like garbage. It's like a real, it's a real feelings kind of a, a, a moment there. And then just, and, and that's really like, the, if you think of the ending of the first strangers, how brutal and dark that ending mm-hmm. is, is, is kind of one of that film's signatures. And so this is kind of this film's way of being like, guess what? We are back and we're doing this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I can yeah, I can see that. Although I will say for anyone who's not listening, if you're or anyone who is listening and has never like seen a movie who and or seen a movie and no one's ever used the back of a toilet to hit somebody, like what the fuck? I'm sorry. Yeah, fair if point. You're stuck totally fair in the point. Bathroom, to be fair the toilet. To be fair in a trailer like that, the toilet seat is probably like got one of those creepy squishy pads on it. Uh, but the, no, the, no, the back, the lid, like the back of the lid. Yes, the okay. Back of the, like the actual toilet, not That's the like. Those are shit out. those are really heavy. I I don't think exactly. I could physically swing one of those things. I mean, oh, you could totally you swing can one of those. You pick up your daughter. You can pick up. You can pick up the back of a toilet. It's no, okay. I don't know, but yeah, yeah. So like, I think it really pops off in that scene, and yeah, the yeah, suspense is pretty constant for the rest of the movie. This movie also, I think, does a good job of getting rid of everyone's cell phones in a pretty organic way. So, like, when they first get to the trailer, they've been having this, like, family discord the entire drive, and there's all this stress and tension. And the dad is sort of trying to, you know, get everyone to calm down. And so he's like, we should all play a game. Why don't we play a game? Because they're in a trailer. They don't have a TV. They don't have internet. And he makes all the kids give like hand in their cell phones. And so by the time the daughter storms out and the son goes after her, they don't have phones. And then when the parents go to look for the kids, they leave all the phones on the table. And so I don't know. I felt like they did a good job of that's a huge challenge now in slasher movies that you didn't have to deal with before. And I thought they did a really good job of 
doing that in a way yeah, that and, made sense. And it was good. Yeah, it was good that like they just kind of you could tell that in the script you just kind of like okay we need to deal with this right away because it's not what we're interested in you know what i mean right even though there is a fun little moment where she kind of gets reception for a second um Mm -hmm. and then it's that moment of like oh you know yeah i'll be honest i didn't even realize this movie was set in modern times until the mention of cell phones because of how um because of how kind of retro everything feels Mm-hmm. And they're driving a pretty old car, not an old car, but an older but car. Yeah. yeah, but I kind of like that, that it's a little disorienting, too, that you're kind of like, you don't know what decade you're in, and you can kind of just go with the the, the 80s tropes that they're kind of laying out for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that it's later on, but besides the pool scene, which was visually really, really pretty um the scene of um the daughter kinsey kind of like shuffling down the bridge and being chased by the burning (laughs) truck was a fantastical sequence and also very very well put together i mean that whole setup was great like and i think it's those are the toughest moments in the script where you have to have your lead confront the bad guy and potentially do away with them and like, but do it in a compelling way, but also that's believable when they're just these like monsters. They did such a good job. There was a part of that scene that kind of was annoying me where before the chase happens, they were like speeding up the shot of the fire. So the fire was like doing this crazy rapid thing that was like freaking my eyes out. I don't know why they, you know, uh, and even like the chasing scene, it's sped up a little bit, but it's kind of a cool effect. And there's and that's great use of music too. There's a song that comes up when she's running away and that stuff was really good. So I have this is I guess semi spoilery but it's a lot earlier. I have some major beef with the dad in this movie. So first of all, brother and sister go in this trailer cuz the door is open and they're kind of like dicking around and they find some whiskey they're going to do shots. They start hearing noises in the trailer. Yeah, I don't know about y'all, run but if, I, if I, yeah. I would run the fuck out of there. So yeah, like, we yeah, should no. go. What but you're is. you're talking about when the teenagers were there. Yes, when, the when it was just the teenagers. So, yeah, yeah. So they find the bodies, and I know that plot wise that has to happen. They find their aunt and uncle's bodies, and they're super gross, and they run away. When they find the parents, they are both telling the parents, "We just saw our aunt and uncle's bodies. They are cut up. We need mm-hmm. to get out of here." The parents' response should be, let's leave. But the dad's response is, we're going to go check it out. You guys go back to the trailer. And at that point in the movie, their yeah. car was still functional. If they would have just gotten the car and left, yeah, they could have. I mean, who knows? Well, Maybe they would have had a plan for them. But they didn't even. I was so but think about it. I was so angry. Yeah. It's like, th- oh, cool. Why don't you guys split up? No, but and uh, no one has a cell phone. This is a great idea. The splitting up is a problem. The, the the not taking your cell phone with you when you're walking in the dark in a strange place you're not familiar with, big problem. And just not leaving I, is a bad idea. No, yeah. but I disagree because they're their relatives. So A, you think your kids are lying and being a-holes, first of all. Second of all, if it's like literally your uncle that this kid is telling you is murdered, you have to go look. But I disagree when some crazy person has already been on your front porch, like in the dark and then wandered into the woods and then you find dead bodies and there's nobody else around. You go call the cop and then you come back, look at the body. You don't go check the body first. I do think, I do think the splitting up was a, was a bad idea, but come on, we're watching a horror movie here guys. What the hell? 
I know. I'm just saying it was really but, infuriating. But like, I thought that that's what was going to happen because, for, you know, and not that you should really base it on the trailers that you see, um, but it made it seem like the trailer made it seem like they were driving when all of this happened. And I would have, I mean, I liked the setup at the abandoned trailer park, but it might've also been really interesting to see them try to leave and then being stopped by this family the whole time, or, you know, by the family of murderers the whole time trying to get to the cops. And then, you know, that kind yeah, of, I mean, to me, I think, I think what it comes down to is that they just didn't believe them. Or believe, well, sure, or, but you I know mean, what I mean? I mean, their daughter, it makes sense. Their daughter is a troublemaker. I mean, she could have just really been, you know, going for one big, you know. Yeah. But why wouldn't they believe their son? Listen, I still thought this movie was really great. I'm just saying that was <laughs> a little ridiculous. Um, I just got a report in from the other members of the show who are not here. They don't believe that we did a top 10 list in 2008, that it was too long ago, 2009. But when we did our top 25 films of the decade, The Strangers came in at 22, which actually I think is a little low now that I think about it. I was going to say, I would have. It was all, you know, it was voted on by writers. So you guys know writers. What is that? You know? Yeah. I mean, you've got two writers here. Exactly. (laughs) Um, I wouldn't have voted for it to be that low. (laughs) One thing this movie does. Can I ask y'all another question? Oh, sorry, Eric. (laughs) No, go ahead. I'm just curious what you guys think of the title of this movie because, like, they also stalk people at night in the first one. I would have so... just called it. I would have just called it the Strangers too. Yeah, I yeah. Don't... But see, that's why. Like, I was, and then they kept saying, like, the tagline of the movie was "Never underestimate the kindness of strangers." There was no, like, nope. They weren't. They weren't helpful to the family <laughs> at all. So, like, who exactly was supposed to be? I don't know. Yeah, it, it, you know what it just, is. I mean, part they, of it they is did, that the, the strangers did bring them closer together as a family. Yeah, so part of it is that the title. I think the title makes it sound cheap when it's not. It makes it yeah. sound. It makes yeah. it sound like a direct-to-video sequel when it's totally not that. Agreed. The thing I was going to say was like uh, just something else I wanted to mention about the directing. This this movie does something that a lot of, especially lower-budget horror movies, who should be focusing on this kind of thing, don't do enough of nowadays which is let the scenery breathe and create atmosphere from the beginning, right through the movie, you know, when they're rolling into this place slowly in their car, they're driving slow and you get these great, almost reminded me of like the opening of Halloween four, if anyone's familiar with that, but like where they take this time and they're showing scarecrows and pumpkins and like Mm -hmm. in this movie, it's where we're slowly rolling down into this creepy murder trailer park and, you know, there's fields with mist rising and there's swings and there's like creepy abandoned stuff. It's so great. And then every in between every crazy chasing, they stop and they let things breathe. And like that is how you create atmosphere. And so many movies nowadays just don't even think about it or they're moving. Mm-hmm. They're moving too fast to stop that you lose that. And I, I just think it's another thing this movie does really, really great. Oh yeah. Because that atmosphere creates, you know, for someone who didn't really care that much about the movie, like that still creates this, you know, palpable tension and this, you know, kind of draw like, okay, this is crazy because, you know, this family is going through this catastrophic event. But when you pull back and you see this scenery, it's super serene. It's super yeah. quiet. Like it, the, that dichotomy is really, really jarring. And it kind of, you know, it, it pulls you into It that. also just puts you there and gives you a sense of place 
You right. Know? Yeah. I thought this movie was pretty good, you guys. Yeah. Um, any other scenes you guys wanted to uh, mention here before we wrap up? Um, I mean, I will say that the aunt and uncle chopped up was super, super grody. <laughs> so props to uh, <laughs> to the special effects team on that one yeah and we, um, and we don't have to spoil it but we did mention there's a little bit of a, a stinger at the very end of the movie we don't have to go into yeah. it but it kind of felt like it wasn't even necessary yeah i kind of agree like i i don't know that i would have yeah you know i would have done it's, it differently it's, it's stupid bagul everybody has to have their bagul moment now you know right it's like, sure but it felt i mean i agree with you that we didn't need it but it did to me feel a lot like it was just trying it was trying to go along with the theme of paying homage to like the 80s stuff. Yeah, I agree. Sure, yeah. yeah without going too far into that. I mean, yeah. I, I agree that it wasn't necessary, but it felt more like paying an homage to I the mean, old stuff than doing like a jump scare. Yeah, I mean, literally every Friday the 13th ended with like either somebody in an ambulance or somebody in a hospital being like questioned by police or, you know. Yeah, stuff right. like that, yeah. All right, guys. I just want to know well, real quick, a, um, you know, how do you think like do these three people know like are they really like good friends are they an actual family like how exactly do they work out how they're going to kill these people because they're really well like um i yeah they are i mean well but again i mean it's it's funny because it's it's kind of also another part that makes it feel like an 80s sequel where they're always like in the exact right place at the right time yeah and like the girl even the um i guess it was dollface like when she's walking she's kind of like run walking and it made me think of um uh behind the mask you Leslie Vernon. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Leslie Vernon. It's, but um the the I image just... the image I kept having was like I was trying to picture these people, the three of them eating together at a diner and like what right. does that like? Right. Like at a waffle house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like good job guys. Uh so we'll we'll come back in 10 years and do well, it again. Because that's what's funny about it is you never had to picture that with Jason Voorhees because he was just kind of a, a supernatural dude at some point. Whereas yeah. these are just ostensibly just people, even though they're built yeah. up, you know? So that's an interesting aspect. For they sure. still got to eat. Yeah. They still get hungry. Strangers got to eat, y'all. That's why this yeah. movie got made. <laughs> Strangers got to eat, y'all. All right, guys. Would you recommend The Strangers Pray at Night, Sophie? Hell yeah. Would you recommend somebody go out to the theater to see this? I would, yeah. I mean, I don't know if y'all had this experience, but people in my theater were pretty rowdy. Like at one point yeah. where Dollface pops up in the background, a lady in the back of the theater just goes, damn it, really loud. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I have a blast. I would recommend a theater. Cece, what about you? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's still a good time. So, yeah. Yeah, I would say yes. And in the theater, I think it, um, you still, it is what it is. It's a slasher. It's a sequel, but... It surprised me, and I think it could surprise people out there who maybe were feeling the same way as I did. I also want to quickly mention that our friend um, Freddie and some of the Night of the yeah. Living podcast crew, I didn't see them, but they're supposedly they're in the background of the diner scene. The problem is that the, the actual in-diner shot is like 10 seconds long. Yeah, yeah, because I think the daughter like storms out, right? Yeah. yeah. So I guess- Because so, totally ruins it. So I know. a lot of this was I've... shot in Cincinnati, which is where they're from. So that's how they ended up. That's so fun. It's really that's cool. awesome. Yeah, very cool. So keep an eye out for them. All right, guys. Uh, that's going to do it for Strangers Pray at Night. Let's take a quick break and do some fan mail. Little Shop of Horror. It's the nuttiest, most outrageous movie musical comedy in years. Says Jeffrey Lyons of Sneak Preview. Cisco and Ebert say we both had a great time, really funny entertainment. 
And People Magazine says it's a raucous rib tickler, one of the year's ten best. Um, it's your professionalism that I respect. Little Shop of Horrors, rated PG-13. Hi, this is Doc Bradley Pinhead from the Hellraiser Movies, welcoming you to Bloody Good Horror. Send your emails to info at bloodygoodhorror.com or hit us up on Twitter at BGHorror with the hashtag AskBGH. And don't forget to pick up back episodes of the show at podcast.bloodygoodhorror.com. And we are back. Joe ripped into me last week for not reading a bunch of BGH classics when we uh, did our the show with the three of us, so we're going to read all of them now. We're going to oh, read shit. them all. Here we go, y'all. You're going to regret this, but it's okay. Uh, <sighs> I don't know why we're being punished. Skizbot. <laughs> Skizbot sent in three this week, first off. Um, and as if you don't know, if you uh, become a patron at a certain level, you get access to the entire back catalog of BGH. You get a feed. You can just pump it right into your... Um, your podcatcher of choice and listen to all the back episodes with the exception of the ones that I either deleted accidentally or um, screwed up the first time around. And uh, so BGH Classics is a way for people to tweet funny things at us that they've heard throughout the history of the show. Sometimes we read them. Sometimes we pretend we didn't see them. First up, Skizbot, uh, Eric says, um, John's going to be sleeping in the same bed with Casey, so John's going to feel the beer farts. Uh, John says, ew, and Casey says, F and A, dude. Episode 20. Shudder. So episode 20, um, for BGH historians will note that episode 21 was the first time that we had all met each other at the same time. We were at Horror Hound Weekend, and we recorded episode 21, like, literally on a hotel bed, like, <laughs> on our elbows. Amidst the beer fart? Like, around a single mic. Um, so Shudder, episode 20, would have been the, the one previous to that. So there you go. Uh, this one's disgusting, but it's funny. Uh, I said... Uh, let me tell you, as bad as Chinese food looks going down, it looks a lot worse after it's been mixed with red wine and shot out of your face. What? Uh, that was a thing that happened to me once where I ate way too much Chinese food and drank an entire bottle of wine and I saw it all like two hours later. Yeah. Uh, that was episode 15, Cannibal Holocaust. So we were just trying to make that whole episode just hard to listen to. That's Apparently. gotta look like guts, right? Yeah. Uh, uh. Eric... Regarding how studios feel about horror movies, it's like if you had a redheaded child, but they worked in show business. You'd sort of love them, but they'd still have red hair. Oh, I'm going to tell Kyle that he said <laughs> that because Kyle has red hair and works in show business. We'll call Kyle more like a towhead. How's that? <laughs> um, We're just going to pretend Kyle's hair is not red. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's episode 18, The Burning slash Just Before Dawn. Um, have you ever seen Just Before Dawn, Sophie? Mm-mm. Actually, The Burning and Just Before Dawn are both slashers that were doing really wild things with, like, I, intentionally or not, like, gender tropes in slashers. Like, they, Oh, I've seen The Burning. It's great. Yeah, we that was famous for our noting that it was the first incidence of what we could describe as the final boy. 
<laughs> um, but just before dawn, like similarly, very interesting gender stuff in the movie. Like again, whether it was intentional or not, so I would I would recommend it. And it's a pretty decent eighty slasher. Nice. Um, here is a CC one. Uh, episode three twenty nine, Ex Machina. CC mm. says, "Well, then, who wants a dick with kryptonite in it?" <laughs> I don't know what that means, but there you go. I mean, who does? Anyone? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, humans are immune to kryptonite, though. So, what does it matter? Well, okay, but I'm still asking. Do you, you know still what? Ask. Do you know what that was in reference to? Uh, no. Yeah. I have no idea. I got to see that movie again. That was a good movie. Uh, one more from Skizbot. Um, Mark, I think Macaulay Culkin is now a chud. Episode 25, Chud. <laughs> there you go. That's BGH Classics. Um, I should say that Ex Machina one was from uh, B Jangles 23, which I, I really like your name, sir. <laughs> I was going to say it's very fitting yeah. to uh, the... Hmm. So let's see. That was the hashtag Ask uh, BGH Classics. We're now going to check out Ask BGH. Let's see. Uh, Skizbot with an Ask BGH. When I was last at the theater, I saw a worker confiscate a ridiculous amount of contraband candy and chips from the group of teens sitting in the next row. What's your go-to snuck-in theater snack, and have you ever been busted um, or seen someone else get caught? Ooh. I've seen someone get caught with like real food, like because I'm I've in Atlanta, never... everyone wants to cr- sneak in uh, Chick Fil A. So <laughs> you know that's kind of hard. How to do you eat. get and caught? Then... I have snuck in food so many times and never gotten caught because they're so oh, loud. Get caught? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't because like I don't care. But, but like, I mean, a wor- in other are, words, like ripping the bags open and being like, "Do you want this chicken sandwich?" And I'm like, "They're just are you being real <laughs> loud." So then, like, a worker's coming through and just seeing it and going up to them. Yeah, and they're just like, yo, throw that away. Or they'll have the trash bag with them and be like, here, you've got to throw it now, away. Now, in my theaters, though, people like the people don't come through. They come through once, like halfway through the movie, and then that's it. Well, most of, the, most of the time, I've seen it happen twice, and the two times it's happened, someone, it's been in a pretty packed theater, and someone has complained about it, yeah. and then yeah. the people come in. It's not. I've a, never seen yeah. anyone just like, it's, you know. Out cold. It, it's kind of a D bag move in a really packed theater, unless you're just sneaking in a little bit of candy or something. Right. But if you're bringing in like fast food in a packed theater, like save that for the Sunday matinee right. or whatever. <laughs> so I used to do, um, I used to go to theater next to a Whole Foods and I would buy a wrap, like a full on full size wrap that was the size of like a Chipotle burrito and then Jesus. get a bottle of water. And it was like hot always. So I would wear like khaki cargo shorts and just like, put them in the cargo so literally it looks like my leg like a Popeye legs or something or like wow. sometimes I would put the wrap down the back of my pants sort of like not all the way but just like in the waistband you know so then it looked like you had a double <laughs> like a dick. gun like a gun sort of um and nobody is that a gun or just a wrap <laughs> <laughs> legit like nobody ever said anything so I just kept doing it yeah because he wants to walk up to the guy with a giant like yeah chubby and i would have been like excuse me sir i have a tumor that's very offensive um the only time i almost got caught um kyle and i went to our independent theater and we had snuck in 40s and (laughs) i got pretty drunk and dropped my 40 and then it rolled down the theater and Um, i was laughing because it was so obnoxious and i mean schnars did that at the bgh 10 year 
Yes, he, he did. sure but, did. But to be fair, he had actually purchased the beer there, so I guess that's their fault. Yeah. yeah. So, so I have a couple of things. One, I've gotten caught with food before, but it was I was with my brother, and it was to see one of the Underworld movies, and we were pretty intoxicated. And we went to this theater that was one of those ones where it's between when things are in theaters and when they're on DVD. So it was like a dollar to get in. And you have to buy your tickets at the concession stand. And if you have a bag, they search it. Ah. Hmm. Uh. So we went to the dollar store and I had like $20 worth of candy. And they were like, we have to look in your bag. And I was like, um, so are you sure? So his, his roommate and the roommate's girlfriend that were with us were like, well, you guys really like the Underworld movies and we don't really care, so we'll just take all the food back to the house. Um, but I I have a great sneaking food in story out. So do, have either of you ever been to a Wawa yes. before? Yep. No. Okay. So like Wawa makes hoagies. They're great to sneak into a theater because they're like they're small and compact. Just like throw it in your bag. So one time my sister and my boyfriend and I were going to go see Finding Dory some people may or may not have, you know, used various substances. <laughs> and then we go to Wawa to get food. And my sister and I get hoagies. And my boyfriend gets his food and walks up to me with a fucking panini, like, in a cardboard box. Oh. And is like, put this in your purse. There's, like, there's like onions oozing out of it and cheese. <laughs> like, it's, like, leaking cheese uh... grease everywhere. And it's super hot. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And he was like, what? I mean... I thought we were getting food taken to the movie. I was like, yeah, like hoagies and chips or something. It's, yeah, it's got to be self-contained. Right, thank you. So this, is a, this, is a, this was like two or three years ago, and this is an ongoing argument because he's like, their paninis are super good. And the point is, yes, they are very good. They are not a thing that you try to put in a purse to carry yeah, into a no. movie theater. Now he still maintains there's a totally rational choice, but it was not. Nowadays for me, it's like super boring old man stuff, just like a granola bar or something like, like something yeah. just in case I feel a little famished and I need to like, I'm not. <laughs> I feel a little famished. Yeah. Like it's not, <laughs> if it's your not. your gets a little wonky. Yeah. hundred percent. Like not kidding. Like it's not for pleasure anymore. It's just maintenance food. I'm sneaking in. Oh. Sir, I need this granola bar unless <laughs> yeah. you want me to pass out. Listen, you or no one else in this theater the wants to see me. I've never heard in my entire life. <laughs> Listen, dude, this is what happens. Oh, Get ready. I just, I want to be there the day that someone's like, sir, your granola bar is too loud. I need you to throw it away. Yeah. And you're like, I need it. I need it for substance. Yeah, listen, nobody in this theater wants to be around me if I don't get this. Oh, man. I want to say, too, because it's been an ongoing thing, tons of urine on the floor of my theater when I when I went to the bathroom. Really? Why? It happened again? What? It happened again. No. It's every time I go. Like it's, I would have taken it. It's not that it got better for a while. I wanted to take a picture, but there was a lot of people in the bathroom, and I figured that wasn't cool. So, but it was like literally, you have to approach it and like take a wide stance, or you're just standing in a pool of urine. Oh my god! Like I mean, so hate as a whole. We don't need a picture. We don't need a picture. No, we, I'm gonna take a picture. You. It's fine. Uh, next up, Chris. Gardner. No, I want a picture of Eric taking a picture with the granola bar in his mouth and <laughs> straddling the bathroom floor. Uh, next up, Chris Gardner. Je- uh, I'm genuinely excited about the new trailer for The Endless. Have you guys seen it? What are your thoughts? Are you fans of previous Benson Moorhead movies, uh, The Resolution and Spring? I like Spring. I don't know what Endless is, though. I haven't seen a trailer for this. I haven't either. So Luke 
saw Endless at the film festival in Omaha. We just talked about it. He really liked it. And I asked him, have either of y'all seen Resolution? So I saw Spring and loved it, but I did not like Resolution. I don't know if I saw, I guess not. I didn't love Spring. Um, So Resolution was like these two guys that were friends and the one guy has a drug problem or something and his friend is going to like help him go cold turkey. No. Mm -hmm. Um, anyway, so I asked Luke, I was like, so if I liked spring, but I did not like resolution, will I like endless? And he said, yes. And that he thought resolution or the endless would make you appreciate resolution more. It sounds really interesting. It's about these two brothers that were like in a UFO, UFO cult. And then they leave. They want to go back as adults. (gasps) Oh, oh, I have seen a trailer for this. Yeah. Luke said it was really good. I have not watched it, but you can vouch for it. A comedy or straight up? No, I think it's more it's of like a horror, yeah. Yeah. Because um I we were watching a trailer and um I mean we were watching trailers on um iTunes and it popped up and I hadn't seen anything else about it, so I'd forgotten its name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh all right, next up, um like anthrology on Ask BGH, what's your go to eighties murder synth song? I gotta say, I was Man. pretty bummed that I think we're alone now. Didn't make it. If you're gonna be that pantry one, it was in the trailer, but not in the movie. I mean, yeah, or like "Tainted Love," or yeah. God, I mean, the '80s had some really good songs. "Blue Monday," oh, "Blue Monday," like, I mean, "Take on Me," dude. You could even get some Rick Roll in there, and it would be amazing. I mean, because <laughs> all of that '80s, all of that '80s like synth and the like synth wave stuff. It's it, so much of it is bubbly in a really weird way that it's just a great contrast with murder stuff right Mm -hmm. i would love unironically to see someone get murdered too i just died in your arms tonight yeah (laughs) what Uh, if that's the only other song that would have been good during the pool scene we should we should say we should say that bloody bloody good horror has an ongoing spotify playlist called secret murder jams that are songs that have been used in movies for this exact purpose we just added that crosby Hills nash song a couple weeks ago so we gotta we should get on mark sophie and make sure that the pool scene song is on it it might already yes. be yeah, on total it. eclipse of the heart needs to be on there it's great why don't yeah. you hit somebody up in slack so i don't forget i will bother someone also for anyone and everyone who saw the guest that song antonio that plays during <sighs> the sequence where they're all walking through the dance in like with all the smoke still gives me the creeps and yeah but that soundtrack is really good too. It's phenomenal, yeah. yeah. I could listen to I could listen to Strangers Two or the guest soundtrack and be happy because they're they're both solid. Yeah. Uh, and then throw in some Atomic Blonde and you're all set. Oh yeah. Well, Atomic Blonde is on another level, but yes. Next up, uh that baseball Joe, you sent in a question that I don't understand, sir. So I'm not going to read it. So sorry. Uh, next up, what if we understand it? No, yeah, you won't. Next up, Shine Master Nine Thousand says, "I recall that the killers from the first Strangers movie were inspired by the Sharon Tate murders." First time no. hearing this. Uh, no, does Paul. does this sequel reflect that inspiration? Do you guys get cult vibes from this group, or just random killers? Haven't seen the movie, so not sure. I don't. I've never heard that about Sharon Tate, but I will say that. I do get the vibe that they're like kind of got a little little three person cult thing action going on. Because wasn't the original based on the? Um, I mean, I've read so much about it now. I can't remember the actual name of the murders, but the it was a mom and like a bunch of kids that were at a like kind of like cabiny house that got murdered in the middle of the night, and then nobody heard anything else about it. 
That's what that's what the original Strangers was based on, right? It was based on the movie um, Them. No, but I mean, like yeah. the true Which, events. And then I assume right, that but the, the movie Them is based on a couple that was murdered at like a vacation home in Belgium. I'll I'll find what I'm thinking of. I mean, they're also they're also killers. I feel like that you could see inspiration in different places too. Right, because, yeah, I mean, the whole idea of it being based on true events is just it's based on any story where people killed other people The film in has their been, house. The film has, so this is from the Wikipedia of Them, um, which is the American title. The film has been advertised as being based on real events. The true, quote-unquote, true story in which the film is supposedly based <clears throat> is that of an Austrian couple who were murdered by three teenagers while vacationing in the Czech Republic, but no concrete evidence has emerged to prove this tale. So I wonder if it was well, just more hype than anything. Well, and I mean, the Wikipedia, I mean, the um, the listener's right. The Wikipedia says that uh, he, what, the writer was inspired by two real-life events, the Sharon Tate murders, and then a series of break-ins that occurred in his own neighborhood as a child. So Yeah, I mean, yeah. and you get the, like, the especially, even in the first one and this one, the, the girls especially are very, like, <laughs> 70s-y looking. Very like almost flower childy, like um, last house on the left kind of dressed. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, oh, I just closed Twitter like I wasn't doing something on there. Uh, okay, a couple more. <clears throat> Let's see. <coughs> no, I think we're good actually. Hmm. Yeah, that's it. Ask BGH guys. They asked, we answered, except for Joe because oh. I didn't understand your question. Hey, I found what I'm ta- what I'm thinking of. I was thinking that the Kitty Cabin murders was, which was a horrific quadruple homicide that took place in California in 1981. Hmm. It's I mean, it's it's worth bringing up them because, like, I know we have a lot of our listeners now. We're not listening in 2009, um, and, and shortly after the Strangers or right before, we did a show on them it's called ills i feel like ils or something was the french title yeah check that out it's really good it's you can find it it's called them in america and i assume in some other english-speaking places but. and it's from 2006 yeah it's a good good film i mean it's honestly really i don't even see the relation to the strangers like if you watch that other movie you're like okay I swear okay to, yeah but it's good so, i mean i think I, I can't tell you the thing that makes it related because it's a spoiler sure but i don't but still <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a very tenuous connection, but I think that's the connection. They murder. If you, you don't, are we on the same page? It's people who murder. You can tell me after the show, Sophie. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hope you guys enjoyed our show. Uh, that was The Strangers Pray at Night. Don't forget, you can read along with books with Cece. BGH, yes. BGH Book Club. There's a link on bloodygoodhorror.com. Check that out. Um, Sophie, there's a Twitter account they can follow, right? If they want to start doing the tweet with BGHs. So I would just follow the hashtag. It's easier for me to use my own Twitter. And now that we're not doing video, the other Twitter makes less sense. Gotcha. So I haven't been using it. So hashtag tweet with BGH. That's a monthly, basically like streaming kind of social experience, let's call it. Yeah. And every time we're going to do it, the regular BGH uh, account will tweet about it and we'll have a Facebook event and a drinking game on the site. So you'll have ample warning that it's coming. Very nice. All right. Well, I don't know what's coming up next week because Schnars and Joe aren't here to tell me, but uh, we'll figure it out and we'll get back. I hope it's thoroughbreds. (laughs) Hope you enjoyed the show guys. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Yeah. Uh, Bye-bye.